You know, one of the things that we really have been starting out and looking at is that God has a big, no, he has a massive vision for this church in this area at this time. And I'm so excited about being a part of that. I'm excited that, that you are a part of that. And we had, like I said, over 90 people that said, we want to be a part of that. We want to have this, uh, this vision in us. And we see that. In fact, we're a part of that vision. Um, and, and that vision really doesn't just stay here. It's about the doors opening up and having amazing things happening. Um, one of the things that, that, that I want to continue to share and continue to be about is the testimonies of the people. Just the testimonies of you, um, because it, we're nothing. We're nothing without, a vision especially, is nothing without the people that pick it up and say, this is my vision. This is what I believe God is doing through me and in me. And so one of the things we want to do is we want to show a, a, a uh, testimony every week as we go through this vision statement of how connecting and how growing and how serving is just making it a part of who we are. And what we're all about. So we do have a clip and I think we're going to do, can we show that now? Sweet, let's do that. All right. Uh, I love it. I love it because a vision is only as good as people who actually carry that vision forward. And so I I just love it and just expect to see more people, um, young, old, no matter what, up here on, on the screen, just sharing their life, sharing what it is to connect grow and serve. And so I'm super excited. Um, And that's that vision, that movement of God as God comes uh, to us and then moves through us of connecting and growing and serving. And we have that crazy idea. We have this crazy idea that God actually wants to do something here right now. That the Bible isn't something we just look at and go, man, wouldn't it be great if... You know, wouldn't it be great? It probably was great. I mean, when I was young and I grew up just kind of in the church, I'd read the stories of old. I'd hear about the missionaries overseas. I'd get these things and I'd be like, God doesn't do that now. I haven't seen that. But I didn't hear the call that God had in my life at the time. And now as we've moving, we're moving forward and I see now, I see that, no, these things can happen. Miracles still happen today. Healing still happens. Vision can be picked up that God has given and moved forward in such a way that lives are changed. People are transformed. We believe that everyone has a mission. A mission from God. To quote a really cheesy but great movie, we're on a mission from God. You know, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd and the Blues Brothers. Great flick. But it's true. We're on a mission from God. We believe it. And we know it. And so I'm excited. I just, I really believe that God has something. And, and I, I can't wait to the day when we're just walking around and, and we, you know, we're talking to people just right off the street and say, hey, do you, know that, do you know that God loves you? And they respond back with, you know, no, I, I didn't hear that. I felt it from those crazy people at the mission. I know that God loves me because I felt it. And that's what we want to see. That's what we want to hear. You didn't have to tell people back then that Jesus loved them. They felt it. They knew it. They received that love on a daily basis when he was walking around amongst them. And you are plan A. There's no other plan B. God is sending us out with that same mission of love and reconciliation. And he wants to connect with us. One of the saddest things, and you know, we see this with Colin, right? It's crazy Neil. I love Neil. Neil cracks me up, man, because he's just got that natural gift of gab. 
You know what I'm saying? He's just, hey, how are you doing? He just, he loves meeting people and connecting with people. And that's such a God-given thing. And he just loves to do it. And, and honestly, it's, inf- it's infectious, isn't it? I mean, just seeing him do that makes me want to be a part of that and connect. And, and here he is with Colin, just meeting Colin for the first time and welcoming him in. And that was the one thing that really brought us to this church too, is that when we first came, we felt welcomed. We really felt welcomed. We felt connected. And, um, one of the saddest, I guess on the flip side of that, one of the saddest statistics I ever heard um, was not that 70% of all kids who graduate and go to college that grew up in church, 70% of them will walk away from the church. That's not the saddest part of that. I think the saddest part of that statistic is that when I found out how long it takes for a college kid, here they are raised in the church or just at home with loving parents or whatever it is, and then they go off to school it only takes two weeks for them to completely change around. Two weeks of, of being disconnected. That's it. And so one of the things that we found in this, in this society is that if we can just continue to connect with those young adults as they go off to college for that two weeks, then we can make a lasting connection that lasts, lasts a lifetime. Because a lot of times they just get disconnected. And honestly, we live in a society today that is so disconnected, isn't it? I mean, I'm connected with India when my Verizon goes out, right? <laughs> you know? But I, I'm not happy about it. And, and, and even though I can connect with somebody online or through Facebook and through all these different mediums, we're so disconnected spiritually that it, it's, it's just it's the malady of today. It really is just the, 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 the sickness, the disease of disconnection and sin. And so one of the things that we're really going to focus on in the next two weeks is just that connection to God and the connection to others that God has for us again and wants to work through us. Connecting is the key. We stand at the threshold of eternity. And I really want you to get this. This is what the vision is about. We stand at the threshold of eternity with the people outside disconnected that need to be connected to God, that need to be connected to us to the church, that can grow in faith and serve. And we have this opportunity. And I'm so excited. That's why we say here, again, every member has a mission. We believe this and we know this. So I want to go through a parable with you very quickly. Um, Actually, a story that Jesus tells. So if you could stand with me for the reading of God's word, we're going to look at Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And some of you might, ha- might have heard this over and over and over again. I know this is one of those classic stories that Jesus tells, but I really want you to look at this in a new way today, all right? So verse 11 says this. Jesus continues, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, for, uh, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods and the slop that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands, servants, uh, have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out 
and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He, has lo- he was lost and is now found. So they begin to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered the father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your poverty, uh, property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because the bro- this brother of yours, who was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is now found. Okay, you may be seated. Now, again, I've said this before. You guys have heard this probably a lot of times. The prodigal son. Story of the prodigal son. The, the, the thing about this is, is a lot of times we don't get the context. And so what I want to do with you is I really want to go through this in its context, in its real context, and break this down. Because this we call this the prodigal son, but what it really is, is it should be called the prodigal father. Because prodigal in its essence means lavishly extravagant. And we've changed this around in such a way that it means something different. And what we forget is that this is a parable of connection. This is really a parable of connection. It's not a parable of just some guy, some kid that blows it and comes back. This is really an idea of of life, of all human beings. As I've said, the sickness of disconnection and the God that runs to us for connection, that runs to us, all right? So this is the parable of connection, lost and found. See, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. We can look at these two sons as both being disconnected from God. Both of these sons have an issue. They're disconnected. They're very different, very different. You guys have brothers or sisters? Probably not the same. I've got twins. And man, they're, they're, they're like night and day. One's the tallest in her, cl- her class, the other one's the shortest. Of course, their class is only four because we homeschool. But, <laughs> but, but that being said, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're night and day, blonde and, and brown-haired. I mean, and when they were born, the doctors were like, oh, they're identical. Because the placentas refused and they, they, they didn't know. And so they're like, no, they're identical. And we're like, no, they're not. Oh, no, they're right. You ever fought with a doctor about things? It's funny. It's like, you're, you're supposed to know these things, and they're not. Oh, no, they are. You know, but they're not. They're so different. And here we have a tale of two brothers, and they're different as night as day. And yet, they share the same common problem. They're disconnected from their father. You see, the oldest brother is very religious. Very religious. And, and I don't say that to be like a good thing, because I think we can be religious and very disconnected from God. You see, the the older boy was trying to do things for his father, to gain his father's approval, to earn his attention, to earn and achieve. A good parallel of this is the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, what must I do 
to inherit eternal life? What must I do? And see, here in religion, we have this young, older boy who's saying, what must I do to earn your attention, to achieve your love? And then the younger boy, the wild side, he's the guy that, that never listened to anything. He was like me when, when a kid. Instead of you know, reciting the verses to, to get Bible bucks, I was in the back stealing Bible bucks. Literally. I stole Bible bucks. <laughs> yes, that's how bad I was. You know, I would roll in. I would show up three, ti- three times in like a quarter. And, and kids who were there faithfully at church, they'd be like, oh, I've got a hundred Bible bucks. Maybe I can get a lollipop. And I'd roll in with like, you know, Bible bucks stacked to the sky. You know, just, I'll take the bike. You know what I mean? And I didn't know anything. I was just a thief. I was so wild side. You know, and that's this kid. He doesn't listen to, to his father. He doesn't care. He doesn't do anything. He's not trying to earn anything. He's just like, I just want to get out. Night and day. Night and day. But both are disconnected. Now, the younger one does something that the older one doesn't do, though. See, in his disconnection, he, he's, the, he's the one that really steps out. And he does this thing where he says, Father, give me a share of the estate. Now, this is insane. We need to understand Middle Eastern culture. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, there's this crazy part where it says, look, the oldest son, when the father dies, gets two-thirds of the share. Two-thirds of the property of the estate goes to the oldest son, and all the other sons divvy up that one-third bit. So if you have two sons, you get one-third. Now, if you've got like eight sons, you've got to share two, you know, a, a third of all that, right? So... This is what we have here, and yet, notice, his father's not dead yet. See, this is unheard of. Because it's not like his father says, okay, let me go to the bank and get that money. You see, in the Middle Eastern culture of the day, it wasn't really in money, right? It was in crops. It was in wild stock and your herds and your property and your land. It was in all this stuff. And so, if this young son is going to take a share of his property, he has to disgrace his father openly and diminish his father and his mother and their entire estate and make them poorer than they were. Do you get this? This is crazy. This is like going to your your parents and saying, and just having a bulldozer come through half of their house so they only have half a house left. Going into their, their closet and taking half their clothes. Going into their pantry and taking their food. Going, this is what it is. And this is what the son says to the father. It's literally disgraceful, shameful, horrible. It's ridiculously humiliating. You see, then, we know this from what the Bible says, but in the Middle East, you were the sum of your stuff. Now, we still are today, right? We keep up with the Joneses, I think it's called. Or I have, I have a friend whose name, last name is Smith, and I always tell him I'm keeping up with the Smiths because it's such a common name, you know? But, but you, it's still, it was even more so in that day. You are a sum of your stuff, and when your stuff is taken, then you were considered, by the way, not godly. If you were poor, you were ungodly. If you were poor, God must not like you. We see this in the book of Job when Job loses everything and three out of the four friends come to him and sit down and after seven days of not saying anything, basically say, Job, you did something wrong because look how diminished you are. Look how all the stuff you have is gone. And this is what the son slaps the father with. Give it to me. It's mine. I'm taking it now, old man. I don't respect you. 
I don't respect mom. I don't respect our family. Just give me what I want and I will never see you again. I will never see you again. See, two things about this. Two things. The father in that day had a right to literally take his left hand, which is considered the hand of shame. In the Middle East, it still is today. If you shake somebody from the Middle East's hand with your left hand, you have just offended them to all get out. The left hand, the only thing it is good for is to strike your enemy with and to wipe yourself with. That's it. In fact, if you're left-handed in most cultures today, in those cultures, they will bind your hand so that you learn to use your right hand. Because it is shameful. And the father would have first and foremost slapped his son across the face with his left hand in the form of shame saying, you are no longer my son. And then he would have marched him out to where the elders were and the elders would have been told the case. The whole town would have showed up because this is not a disgrace on just the family. It's a disgrace on the whole town and all of Israel. And they would have picked up stones and whoever hit him in the head first was the winner. And they would have killed him. Because that's how shameful it was. That's how much of a disgrace it was. And this, this is the but. There's always a good but in the Bible. I love buts in the Bible. (laughs) This is why I was a junior high pastor for a while, okay? But the Father gave it to him. We need to get this. The Father doesn't force the Son to stay. He doesn't force His way on the Son He does not force his way upon you and upon me. You see, disconnected, and yet never does he force him to say, no, you will reconnect with me right now. This is ludicrous. No. And bar the door. He doesn't do that. Now, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, so he gets it, and he sets off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, we know that at that time, religious and non-religious, all the people surrounding Jesus would have gasped because what that meant was the far country was not Jewish. You see, at that time, the, the Jews believed that if they were to be really godly, they needed to abstain and stay away from most things that were not Jewish. And instead of being the light on the hill and salt to the earth that God had called them to be, they ended up taking all that and hoarding it and saying, no Gentiles. In fact, if you were to be a good Jew, you, you, when you went to the, the, the temple, you, as a Gentile, you weren't even allowed in certain areas of the temple because you were not Jewish. And we have to keep you from that. And so to go and, and, and hang out and live amongst Gentiles was basically saying, I give up my Jewishness. I give up my heritage. And so everybody wouldn't be like, he did what? You know what I'm saying? They would have been, what? Oh, I mean, women would have gasped, oh, you know, pra- practically fainting, right? Hearing this story. They would be like, are you kidding me? This kid's off his rocker. He wanted to be so far away from his father that he went as far as he could go. And he proceeded to live it up like a Hollywood movie. The party life. Wild living. It's such a great word. It, it literally means like, Like, you name it, the grossest of the gross, he did it. He did it. See, the high life of sin is really good for a season, isn't it? But it doesn't last forever. And that dream that we aspire to, I remember being a kid, you know, just wanting to do sinful things. (laughs) Anybody been there? You know, you just dream about it. I wonder what it's like. I wonder what it's like to get high. I wonder what it's like to get drunk. I wonder what it's like just to go out and do whatever I want to do. I mean, that's why we have Fort Lauderdale. 
or the river. Right? I mean, I had friends that would say, oh man, I went to the river. It was like pornography there. It was nuts. Everybody was like naked and crazy. And I'm like, really? And then they go back home and they're like kindergarten teachers. Like, what? What? Why would you do that? It's because it's in everybody's heart. And he goes out and he does this wild living, this crazy lifestyle. He goes out there and he does all this and what his dream was ends up becoming a nightmare. Doesn't it just do that eventually? It catches up because the drugs never last. The party always dies. The friends we thought we had are fair weather. And when the weather turns and they start getting rained on, they walk away. And so we have this telling tale here. After he spent everything, there was this severe famine in the whole country. Because sometimes it's out of our hands. In fact, all the time it's out of our hands, isn't it? It gets to a point where it doesn't matter what you do. Your health will turn and you could be the healthiest person in the world. And all of a sudden your health turns. The economy falls. Somebody dies. Because it's outside of ourselves. And sin and connection or disconnection is rampant everywhere. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be a, uh, to the citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. Now this is again, if the ladies hadn't passed out yet, they passed out now. You know what I mean? This is the big deal. Because you not only work, wait, you're not only living there, you're working for them. Jews had strict, like, religious things. They couldn't loan to a Gentile they, in that day. Now, God said you can loan to them. You, you, can, you can practice usury. You can charge them interest. But don't charge interest to your own people. Because, you know, we want to make sure you're taking care of each other. But you can deal with them. You can barter with them. I mean, God never said that. But they said that. Because, again, they were trying to really surpass God in their own religiosity. And so here we have them. You know, this guy, he's not only living there, he's working for him. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, everybody of that day was like, is this kid Meshuggah? I'm feeling a little verklempt. This is nuts. Oy vey. Did he just say what, he think, what I think he said? I mean, literally, he, this, the, he's working with pigs. I, do you know any Jewish people? I, I, oh man, I, my best friend was Jewish. And I used to go to his synagogue and we'd hang out. There was never bacon on the table. And I weeped and I mourned for them. And then when I went home, I ate a pound of it. But they don't eat bacon. Pigs are unclean. They're like the epitome of unclean. When Jesus gets rid of legion out of the man in the tomb area, he sends him into a field of pigs. See, the man who was so demon-possessed and so screwed up was kicked out of his own area. He's living with the Gentiles on the other side of the river where the pigs are in the midst of the tombs because that's where those guys belong. And here, this, this son is working with pigs and he can't even eat. He longs to fill his stomach with the slop. Do you know what we feed pigs today? Oh, one of the, this was, I think, a Dirty Jobs with Steve, or what's that one guy? The Dirty Jobs show? And, and, there, and, and what it was, was it was processing all the trash that came from Vegas to the pig farm right outside Vegas. Because all the buffets would just dump their stuff, and then they would get it, and they would get, like, rotten ice cream. He had a whole silo full of rotten ice cream. It was disgusting. It was like sitting in the sun. It didn't have to stay cold. And he's like, the pigs love it. Because pigs will eat anything. And this is where, by the way, Vegas gets most of its pork. You get a really nice pork, you know, $20 thing coming from the pig farm. That's been eating the junk that's thrown away. You see the funny, like, like just the irony of that? It's crazy. 
But that's what they eat. And so here it's thrown and he's just longing and nobody helped him. Nobody gave him anything. That's what he has. It's crazy. He's homeless, peopleless, working for a Gentile. See, the Jews were so hardcore about this. I didn't say this earlier, but, but not even collaborating or working alongside or cooperating with the Gentiles, that when they were taken over, which they were a lot of times, um, Rome at that time had taken them over, and it was like a death sentence to be made governor of Judea. Not because, you know, it was dangerous to live there as far as, you know, just thieves and robbers. But what happened was the people hated Gentiles so much. They said, this is against God's law to be even ruled by Gentiles. And so they were notorious for rebelling way more than any other place that Rome had taken over. The stinking little tiny area of Judea was the most rebellious. And if you, if you have a, a Catholic Bible, you could see in Maccabees. Maccabees, 1st Maccabees, 2nd Maccabees, all these different times where they rebelled against those people because they hated them and they said, you cannot rule us. And here's this kid living with them, being ruled by them, being in debt to them. And you can see everybody there to some extent, religious, non-religious, just saying, serves that stupid little kid right. You know what I'm saying? He got what he deserved. Hope he rots there. That's what he deserves. Sin will always drag you through the mud. It will always drag you through the mud. When we disconnect ourselves from the Father, we're only getting connected to the sin and the mud and the junk of life. When he came to his senses, this is the greatest point of the story, when he came to his senses, he says, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I know what I'll do. I'll set out and go back with my father and I'll say to him this, you know, and he's kind of just, you could see him. He's got a long way to go, by the way, a distant country. I mean, we're talking miles and miles. Who knows how many days that he had to think about this at the time, at least a day or two as he's walking, by the way, with nothing. If he has no food, if he has nothing, he obviously has the only clothes that are on his back that are probably torn and ripped. If he's working in the mud with pigs, he smells like pig poop. Did you know that pig feces is considered toxic? They literally can't just throw it into the ground. They have to contain it for years and years because it's so toxic, because it carries this certain type of bacteria in it that will literally just hurt. And I know this because I saw the Simpson episode, okay? <laughs> but I actually researched it afterwards, and I was like, oh, they got it right, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, so, you know, Homer ends up taking it and dumping it in the, in the Springfield Reservoir, and of course it, it, you know, totally poisons the reservoir. But, but, it's, but that pig poop is considered toxic, you can't grow with it. You can't do anything with it. But it, it literally just, it's toxic. And so he's, he's covered in it. And he's thinking about what he's going to say. He has no shoes on his feet. He has no sandals. And he's walking on rocks and dirt through areas. And I, I guarantee you, the robbers, the thieves, they're just looking at this guy going, just let him go. Let him go. Because those roads are always covered with thieves and robbers, even to this day. And they're just like, let the poor guy go. He's worse off than us. But let me just say this. When we're at our lowest, God's grace is the clearest. Amen? When we're at our lowest, God's grace is the clearest. You see, C.S. Lewis says, you know, he talks to us in life, but he shouts with the megaphone of pain. He shouts at us. He never forces us, but he calls us and he looks for us. And all we need to do is come to our senses that the Holy Spirit is 
pushing and prodding, saying, remember, remember, remember. Remember the connection that you were born to have. And he's at this point, and he feels the tug of his father's house. I know, I've been there. It's not a good place, but it's a grace place. Oh, it's not a good place, but it's a grace place. His grace can only be received by those that want it. And he comes to his senses. Amen? And my, my, I know some of you are out there, you have friends, you have relatives, you have your own children that you're saying, are they ever going to come to their senses? Are they ever going to come to their senses? God is not stopping. God does not stop. And this is the mission of our church. This is why we say every member has a mission because God wants to connect. God wants to connect. He does not give up. He is the heavenly father that never, ever lets us go. He has hands for all of us. And I love this about God. He starts out right. He says, I have sinned against heaven. He gets this, this, this monologue, you know, that he's going to say. And he, sa- and he says this, I have sinned against heaven. I have bro- broken connection with you. Because w- what we talked about last week was that um, sin is basically anything that disconnects us from our heavenly father. Anything that disconnects us from our heavenly father. So he says, I've broken that connection. I have wounded what was precious to you. And this is the important point. It's not just God, it's others. What is precious to God is you and me. That's what's precious to God. For God so loved the world. Why? He he gave His only begotten Son. Because He loves us and and desires to connect with us. And so this is the easy part, if you ask me. He goes to His Father and says, that's, that's tough, but it's easy compared to the connections of everything else. And I've been there. I remember when I came back to the Lord and I, it was easy for me to drop to my knees at that point because I was already pushed down on them by my life, broken completely. And I looked up and I just said, God, there's no more down. <laughs> and so I know I've broken connection with you. And then he told me, that's right, now go help and go out there and talk to your parents. Oh, go talk to your brother. Ugh. Go talk to those people that you wounded. Oh, You see, it's always others, isn't it? <sighs> That's the hard part. This is why ultimate love connects and sin breaks the connection. He starts out right, but he ends, he ends with this. He goes, you know, he starts with the good part, but then he, he, he keeps going and he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You see, in this culture, the hired servant was the slave and they wouldn't even own shoes. That's how bad they were. The hired servant would have been the one that was like the lowest rung in the totem pole. He, they, they, he was literally, or she was literally the, the, the blind one or the slow one or the one that, that it was nothing, good for nothing else. But basically just when people came in, they would wash the feet of those that owned sandals. They would wash the feet of the family members that weren't nice on dirt roads with camels and everything else. It wasn't good, but that was their job. And that was the hired servant. And he says, I, I could be one of those hired servants. And this son says, I will tell him I'm not worthy. So just make me a slave and I will work back my debt. I will work it back. Brothers and sisters, let me just say, you can't work it back. That is a debt you will never be able to pay. You see, we know this, what Paul says in the book of Romans. He says, for the wages of sin, the price of sin, the only price you can pay is death. That's it. That's the hardest part. This is why they say the cross is so offensive to non-believers, to people who don't believe in the cross. It's so offensive because you say, wait, I'm going to die 
for the things I've done? Yeah, that's the wages. You can't pay it back. See, religion says, okay, let me put you on a payment plan. You're going to walk six old ladies across the street. You're going to give $1,000 here. You're going to give your clothes there. You're going to do prayer wheels. You're going to do whatever it takes to get God and earn His favor and His attention. No. But this is where the son's at. He's so low. He says, maybe I can work it back. Jesus did not come to this earth to make our burden heavy. He did not do that. He didn't die for us to give us more rules. See, the gift of God. See, it says the wages of sin is death. Here's that but again, right? There's that heavenly but. But the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is connection to the Father through Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with earning. It has nothing to do with getting. It has everything to do with what Jesus already did. This is hope and grace. This is the gospel. And this is what I love and why I came back. Because God took even me. I didn't have to earn it. Jesus became a slave because of our sin so that we might now become reconnected sons and daughters of the King. Do you get that? Please. This is what it is all about. This is what connection is all about. The Father that connects and desires to connect, not because we can earn it. If you're trying to earn it, and believe me, I have tried. I read through that Bible so many daggum times, thinking maybe God will like me now. Maybe I won't struggle with this. Maybe I won't struggle with that. If I just pray more, if I just give more, if I just do more. No! 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 God wants you. And He wants to give you His Son who became a slave so that you don't have to. Religion is always based on serving God and to be acceptable. And that's death. Death. Life through Jesus is what we want. And this is the vision of what we must grasp and pass. We've got to grasp this. We've got to pass this. This is connection. And this is what we mean. His grace, His mercy, all seen at the cross where His Son took upon Himself the sin of everything we've done. Not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, not because we can achieve it, because He gives it freely. Gift. Gift. No more addiction, no more strivings, no more blood, sweat, and tears to be known by a God that already knows you and loves you enough that He sent His Son to die for you. Amen? That's what it's about. And now comes the most important part of this story and what this story is really about. But while he was a long way off. Now, I can just see the prodigal, the young son, just, you know what I mean? Shame. Just dripped in it. Drenched in his own guilt and shame. Just walking head down, barely shuffling, moving along. He hasn't eaten. He's got no shoes. His clothes are tattered. He... he, He's got nothing. And he's got to walk through the city gates. He's got to walk through a town that he disowned and everybody knows it. There's no such thing as in that time as not knowing everybody else's business. They knew it. They knew it. And he's got to go through it. And God sees him. His father saw him and filled with splagnon. It's a great Greek word. It means the bowels. It means the gut. It means such compassion that you enter into the person you have compassion with and feel their suffering in your own gut. It means God the Father is sitting on the porch. No, probably standing every day going, where's my son? 
I desire to be connected. And he sees him while his son's head is down because his son can't do anything. God runs. The father takes off and runs. He humbles himself and embarrasses himself. It was considered the highest form of embarrassment to run as an elder in that time. If you were a man and you ran, sandals and robes don't work well in running. The first Olympics were performed naked. That's crazy to me. Okay? I mean, my death fear in junior high was to have to take showers with other people. Okay? (laughs) I just did not want to do that. They didn't let, they didn't make us when I went to junior high, so I was like, yes! So, whew! Can you imagine running a mile naked? They didn't have the shoes, they didn't have the stuff. And so for an older man to pick up his robe and trip all over himself and run, I mean, you could see this. And I know this kid is probably just going, what? And he hears something, and he's going like this. I guarantee you, he's going like this. He's not going, hey, my dad's running for, no, he's like, because what does he deserve? What has he done to his father? But instead of blows, he is hugged and kissed and embraced. I don't want you to miss this. This is the father. This is the lavish love of the father that says, I desire to reconnect with you. I desire to be in you and work through you and be the light in your world. Nothing hurts God more than to see this world in its disconnection. And he feels the pain of it, of every single lost, disconnected child on earth. Now, one of the things that I thought was phenomenal about this, and I just learned this recently, was that I used to think, man, God runs just because he loves him so much. But there's another reason why he's running. Because you see, as he's entering through those city gates, the elders sat at the city gates. Because they wanted to know what was coming in and what was going out. They knew everything. They knew your business. And they see this kid running. And I guarantee you, they're, they're getting up. And they're doing one of two things. They're grabbing a pot, a huge clay pot, that they're going to they're gonna walk in front of this, this son who's disconnected himself, not just with his father, disgraced his father, disgraced his name, given up his culture, done all these horrible things, but to take this pot and throw it at the feet of this son and say, you are no longer welcome here. You have no people. You have no group. Leave and never come back. Because that's what religion does to those who've broken it once. And the second part was this. They grab him by the scruff of the neck and they take him to the front of the town and then they stone him. Because that's what they would have done. How dare you show your face back here? You've blown it. You've blown it. And can I just say that that's what the enemy loves to do with us, doesn't he? The enemy loves to bring it up and say, and he wants to run to us too, but he wants to run to us and he wants to tell us how bad we are, how much we've blown it, which is true, but he says there's no hope for you. And he throws the pot down and the loud and the shame and the guilt and then he picks up stones to kill us. And so we have the father running. Why? Because maybe he's running to beat the elders there. He's running to outrun Satan. And that's what he did at the cross. He outran Satan and he grabs his son, embraces his son, and what does he do? He gives him shoes. You're not a hired servant. You're back. You're my son. And then he brings a robe and he covers him. See, God runs to us. He sent his son to connect with us. And he gives us a ring that says, you're my family. You're my son. You're my daughter. You have all power. You have all that my son has given you. He saves him. He redeems him. He is running. So what now? 
So what now? I know I'm over and I apologize. But this just this is just insane. I love this. Because the other option is to be outside like the, the older son and not even come into the party and say, I've earned this. And, and the father says, no. Everything I've had has already been yours. All you have to do is take it. I have tried to connect with you. And I want to connect with you. We want to connect with you. You see, we're very intentional about this. I know some of you have made this your home and you've been here for a long time, but some of you, you've been coming and we don't really know who you are. We have these things called connect cards. We want to connect with you. We want to be a part of walking with you in this journey of saying, look, don't give up on the Father who's looking, who's running, who's helping to embrace, who wants to connect. We want to connect. And we want to connect with those people. We're very intentional about this. Why? Because there's so many people that have no connection. And because of not having that connection, they're lost. And they're battling. And they're running. And they're shame-filled. And God wants to connect with you. We want to connect with you. This is our mission. We have a new place in the back. It used to be the coffee area. You might have seen that and you're like, what's going on here? Anybody else like change? Not me. <laughs> but I like good change. And what's happening is that's now Connection Corner. Because we want to connect with you. We want to get you to fill one of these out. Why? So we can send you a lot of magazine subscriptions. No. No, that's not it at all. No. We want to call you. We want to talk to you. We want to connect with you. We want you to be connected to God, connected with us, grow in faith, and serve Jesus and we can't do that if we don't know who you are. We actually have a gift for you. We want to give you a gift. If you've never filled one of these out and you want to connect with us, we have a spot and it won't take long and it's an awesome gift. That's our draw. You want a gift? You've never done this before? We got you. Hook, line, sinker. But that's what it's about. Being intentional about loving and running. And we want to run to people. We want to run outside. We want to be people that say, I don't care what you've done because God is running for you. Amen? Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. See, everyone else, we've got this thing. Like if, you've, if you've already filled it out and you already know, we want to connect you even more to our church and we have a thing called the, grow, the Connect class. We're going to be doing the Connect class and the Grow class and the Serve class. Basically, it's where you say, I want to have a mission at the mission. To some extent, it's membership. But we don't believe in membership. We believe in missionship. I'm making a new word. Because <laughs> what this is saying is this is about what God wants to do in you as He connects with you. And that's going to be happening March 6th or March 16th. And my hope is that we get all the people that want to be members to come into that and learn what it is as we start to grow in faith and then serve because there's a world out there that needs to be reconnected. There's people who are covered. And please, as you're closing your eyes and you're bowing your heads, I know I've worked with them. I've seen them. I've been them covered with the urine and feces of pigs. Covered with the shame of addiction. Covered with the guilt of grief. And greed. And you name it. It disconnects us from the Heavenly Father who runs to us to give us and shod our feet with the gospel of peace. To give us the robe of righteousness and clothe us in Christ. That's what it means. 
and to put the ring. I've given you all power and all authority under heaven and earth. Now go. My disciples, followers of me, relationship with Jesus, go. This is what it means to be connected and to be connected with us. We don't want you to sit. We want you to go. Go out in the name of Jesus. And we want to connect with you. And we want to grow with you. And we want to serve with you. So please know that we're intentional about that. Bring your friends. We want to connect with them. That's our message. That's God's message. So please, with us, allow God to work through us. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.